life on the road. It's these tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and these fights, kettle flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette, <laughs> drunks in the front, making out for your set, and middle acts doing blow more, missing merch, and drive the rental car past another mega church, and juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon. Speaking of preschool. I'm going to have to do this and get it going. Just give me a quick sound check. I think you should be fine. Hi, check, 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 check. Yes, hello. I'm very loud. <laughs> I don't even need a mic, really. No, really, just yell it across the studio, if you will. Oh, is this already recording? Well, yes, it's already recording. Wow, That's man, you waste no time. <laughs> um, You're going to pick up me drinking my coffee and everything. That's right. Have a, have a bagel. I got you, too. And this is going out live. Oh, what? <laughs> Uh, thanks for tuning in to Road Stories. I'm your host, Murray Valeriano. Mm. Sipping some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's very What a back. relaxing day. We're it's just sitting back, sipping some coffee on your couches. Just just chilling. Move the studio uh, out of the blazing hot sun. Yes. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's, the sun is so powerful today. I, I know I sound like a big puss, but it's yeah. just coming in through the windows. I couldn't do that to my fair-skinned... That's, that's true. <laughs> to your goth guest, your natural-born goth guest. The fact that she's up and out with the sun up is uh, hilarious. We're rocking a Venom t-shirt. Is that Venom? It's a Beyonce t-shirt oh. that's made to look like a Venom shirt. Okay. Yeah, hilarious. buddy. That's amazing. Two worlds colliding. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My buddy uh, Jerry Pinnix was into Venom in like high school. Oh, sure. And, well, why uh, wouldn't he be? Well, because they're awful. <laughs> they're terrible, terrible. <laughs> Metal band. I, I right. like my metal. I You're like not my, a metal dude. I'm a me- I like metal. You just don't like venom. I just don't like venom. They're they're yeah. they're crappy. I'll I'll rock some Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you. I hear the new album. Jimmy Pardo said the new album's really good. I'm excited about that. I haven't heard it. I I've been listening to the new New Order album nonstop. Oh, that's right. I forgot that it's they were coming great. out with them. Now is it full lineup or is no Peter Cook Hook isn't, is, isn't in there in anymore? Right? But guess what? This new album shreds. So <laughs> whoops. I mean, I picture him sitting at home being like, "All right, wait a minute." Right. You know? This That's is like too good. Bill Barry said after that they released the first album without him. He's yeah, like, he oh, like, man, <laughs> maybe yeah. I made a mistake. Why would you? I don't know. Maybe because I just always wanted to be a rock star my whole life. I would never understand leaving the lifestyle unless you're forced out of it. No, told me too. But then I feel like I was talking about this with somebody the other day, actually, because it was kind of like, why would you do it? But then it, I, it's like a marriage or something. It's maybe even worse than a marriage in the way that it's like worse than a marriage. I'm divorced. <laughs> can you tell? But like. Because you're with these people 24 hours a day. Yeah. Like, if you're on tour a lot, yeah. you really are just with them constantly. So I could get why you... I don't know why you'd leave. I mean, I could get being like, yo, guys, I can't tour with you for like a year or something. Right, right. But leaving, I don't really... I know. I tell my wife I can't hang for like a year every once in a while. I mean, it's <laughs> just I mean, like, it's just band, like a band. <laughs> but I guess it's like a band's... I said worse, which is a poor choice of words, but it's like... Because you're also creating... It's like in a marriage, at least you have your own lives. Like you're doing your own right, thing. Right. Like you guys have to team up to make these songs and to make these albums yeah. and to go on to it. Like you're just constantly in each other's pockets. I guess that's why it'd be great to just be the George Harrison in any band. Right. You get two songs, an album, and the rest you just play what they want you to and play. And you just do what you and say. you just take a money and And then bath. you got the egos. Cla- I mean, like Peter Hook obviously is a huge ego. Right. You got that clashing. Yeah. Now, did they hold on to their sound, or did they change their sound, or is they it... They went back to, like... I mean, there are songs on here that could have been on technique. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like they went back to 80s style. A lot of it's, like, real 80s electronica. Right. Like, I just discovered a synthesizer. Sure. It's See, what rad. I, I think what I rules. like about... Ba- what I like about bands is I like when they grow. Like, yeah. I love The Cure, and I'm stoked they're going to tour again. So totally. I'm going to go see it. I love it. I haven't seen them in a long time. Did but- you not go? They played the Palladium four years ago. They played the Palladium, and they played Three Imaginary Boys, 17 Seconds, and Faith in, in their oh, entirety. Really? No, back no. to back to Where, back. How did I miss that? Uh, it was rad. Four I went years with Scott ago? Ackerman. It was rad. <laughs> we were like totally into it, but also the only ones there that weren't like black hair goths. Right, like right. aging goths are the most steadfast demographic sure, there is. yeah, yeah. They never grow out of it. My, yeah, they played all those albums oh, back to back just, to back. That was like four years ago. That's probably when I just had my kids. So oh, sure, probably, sure, sure. I, my favorite thing I ever saw was The Cure headlining Lollapalooza and all the goths getting there early at 12 o'clock in the afternoon in the desert, just to cowering like, under like their front, parasol totally. under the sun and like white makeup running down their totally. sweat face. It was awesome. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, have I even introduced you? I don't think so. Oh, this is April Richardson, everybody. Hi. Thanks for coming out. Of course. I appreciate it. Uh, another uh, 
person who forgets how far uh, my studio is from everybody else in the world. I feel bad. I never. Who I know Chris Fairbanks too. He lives really close to you, and I uh-huh. never. I feel bad because I like never come hang out with him because I'm just like. That's a road trip. Oh, dude. To I, go to your house. I had to I had to get all new friends when I moved over here. It is kind of like that. I feel like people who move to Santa Monica do do that. I don't even like, do shows in Los Feliz anymore if they're not oh, if they sure. start at ten and they don't pay. I'm like, You're uh, like, no way I'm gonna I don't blame no you. That's like an hour drive. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. And an hour back, so I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. I wanted to have April on uh now that we wrap up our first part of the rock solid uh, podcast, of I know, right? Like, I'm sorry that I kicked it off talking about that. No, dude, that, I, I, had to, I had to comment on your uh, Venom-esque t-shirt. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I wanted to have April on because, uh, as you know, this is Road Stories. And so I love when somebody produces their own tour. This is going to get back into music territory because the whole reason I did it <laughs> was to see Morrissey. Oh, really? Yeah, I... Yeah, so in June of this year, it was actually... It was like five weeks. It was like the end of June and the whole of July... I drove across country, yeah, mm-hmm. by myself. And it was because there were no date. I'm on tour right now with Chris Hardwick. Right, right. Like every other weekend or so. And he didn't have any dates in July. So I told him, I was like, hey, I'm just going to do my own thing. And he was like, definitely. Sure. That's rad. And so, yeah, I really did. I sat on my living room floor, a map on one side of me and a calendar <laughs> on the other. And I just kind of figured out, I was like, okay, well, these are the places Morrissey's playing. Uh-huh. What cities are in between those? mapped out like the driving route and then once i did that i yeah i just like cold called people with the hell i don't know if you know ron babcock yeah i know you ron. Should totally have on because he plans his own tours all oh the time. yeah yeah i know ron i should have him on he has amazing stories and he helped me he was like he gave me some contacts because i did just cold call those people right. and go hey I'm bars gonna bars punk clubs i did a couple of actual like comedy clubs uh-huh. but for the most part totally just like dives right punk right clubs and I would just call the people and be like, I'm going to be in your town on Wednesday, this date. Can I do stand-up there? What was the overall reaction? Pretty good. Yeah? I mean, there were a couple... Wednesday's uh, not a happening night in most clubs. Totally. That was the thing is I was limited by, you know, I... Yeah, because I was... Fo- I mean, Morrissey was top priority. <laughs> so I was limited by that. Right. So it's like I wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't calling going, oh, can I come do a weekend? Like, there were a couple of clubs that were just like, yeah, we're not even open on Tuesday. Like, you can't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that did limit it, but in a way that was cool because it made me go, okay, well, where else could I do it? And then just like... Like I said, like do weirder venues, Right, right. I guess. What was the weirdest venue then? I did... In Iowa, I Chicken did, coop. I mean, no, there was nothing, there was nothing like that bonkers. Um, I did this like frat bar in Wisconsin, which was tough. That was the toughest Ooh. show of it because they, yeah, they were not feeling me at all. Um, did you know it was a frat bar going in? You, I, you not being the, I'm not I would trying not, to put the guy who helped me out on blast because the guy did help me out. But right. like that was, uh, Wisconsin was weird because at first I was going to do, I ended up doing Madison, which was originally the city I wanted to do. Right. But then something fell through. Like, the guy didn't answer me. It was like, something fell through. And then this other guy was like, well, I live in, um, I forget the name of the town, but it was like off the beaten track. But the guy was like, trust me, it'll sell out. Like, anybody who comes here, it totally sells out because everybody just gets psyched right, that right. anybody comes. Yeah, totally. And so I was like, oh, I'll definitely, I don't care. Yes, I'll do that. And then, like, a couple of weeks before I was supposed to leave, he emailed me the details and it was like, totally a sport he was like oh it's a sports bar but we're gonna tell everybody to not play pool like while you're on and i was like nope (laughs) fully i was like no because i was like i've done that before oh sure yeah and it's the worst and everyone hates you i mean you know like if they can't do what they came to do and they're like shut up for a minute while this person talks that you're not here to see you're here to play pool then they hate you yeah yeah and it's not a fun show never do stand up next to something more fun than stand up completely (laughs) it is the case of like we're gonna turn off football for a second but it's cool no they will hate you immediately so i felt bad because that guy was really nice and was really trying to help me out but i had to go "Uh uh-uh i'm not doing it that's probably a smart call yeah i was i was just like i've done that before it's gonna be a terrible show sorry about it and then so i ended up going back to the madison guy and being like hey just kidding can i do this now (laughs) and so because i did that i think it was a last minute like okay yeah but it'll be at this bar and so it was like upstairs at a frat bar Uh i don't imagine them being very welcoming i mean they weren't terrible but they were yeah they were just kind of like whatever right mostly dudes mostly dudes although there were a handful of people there who did actually come to see me and they were like rad and and i was so thankful yeah yeah and, you know, part of it was me 
because like halfway through the show, I could tell they weren't feeling it. And then I get, I get defiant and I get real like, well, fuck you guys then. And then, so that's on me being a dick. Right. Um, but it wasn't like terrible, but that was probably because otherwise I did like in Iowa, I did this gay bar, which ruled, Mm -hmm. but it was the state. It was like one of those stages air quotes where it's like five inches off the ground. So it doesn't really matter. And so since I was basically, I just got, I just walked around the crowd and like talked to people in their faces. Yeah. Which ended up being like really fun. But at first they were like, what the fuck is this lady doing? And I'm like, who, what difference does it make? We're all in the room on the same level here. And so, yeah, I was just like telling my stories to people's faces. Yeah. And, that and was we're really in fun. the gay bar in Iowa. So, <laughs> yeah. I, but, and it was, and all the people on the show, that was like one of the most fun shows because all the dudes, it's a bunch of dudes that opened for me and they were amazing. Uh-huh. That was like the most fun of all this is like meeting all the local comics at all the place. Right. I did a show in this, in, a, in Omaha one of my favorites of the whole time. Uh-huh. And it was in this punk club in like a strip mall. It would totally remind me of a place I saw shows when I was a teenager right. in Atlanta and it ruled and it was like <laughs> packed. I mean, when I say packed for these places, it was like 50 people, but it was packed and a girl, Oh God, I feel like such an asshole. Not like remembering her name. Cause she was fantastic. And she was really young. She was like in college. She was like this 20 year old girl open for me. She was great. But right. She was telling the gnarliest like sex stories. <laughs> In a funny, <laughs> a funny, but like sure. gnarly details. Like just and filthy. then was like, my parents are here. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. So you didn't look at, you just got names of locals and, and put them on? Did you check I them out? I didn't do any of that. No, no, no. Oh. It was all the people. Because they, I just called the people and was like, I just want to do stand up here. I don't care about the terms. Right. Who cares? Like, I just want to do it. And they were like, cool. And then so all the local, any, all the bookers like booked all the. Oh, okay. And all, I can't, I mean, I probably got ripped off a bunch too. Because sure. there were. The real clubs. I did a real club in Salt Lake City. Wise Guys? No, this new one called 1150 or something. Oh, I don't know that one. It was fancy pants. It was rad. But they, in those situations, I would call and go, hey, can I just do this? And they would think I was like my, an agent. Right. And they would go, hey, what kind of deal? And I'm like, I don't know any of that. I was like, just don't rip me off. I literally said the Ah. phrase, don't rip me off to a couple places. That's how how you get around thieves. They're not, they're not expecting that statement. Yeah. So once you say don't rip me off, don't steal for, okay. I mean, like, cause I didn't know any of that. They were like, do you want a door deal? Do you want this? Do you want this? And I was like, well, I'm me. I'm not a manager or an agent. Right. And I'm just doing this myself. So I was like, whatever you think is fair, don't rip me off. And they're like, okay. And, and a couple of places were like extra generous, I think, because I did that. That place oh, ended cool. up giving me like 100% of the door. Oh, wow. You can so, rarely get 100% of the door. But I didn't make money at all sure. because I was buying Morsi tickets the whole time. <laughs> like if I wasn't doing that, then maybe I would have broke even. Right. But were I didn't you buying make any Morsi money. tickets ahead of time? Did you have them all bought before you split or were you in the city and trying to scalp? No, I've learned through 20 years of following Morsi and going to shows that all that's bullshit. Like you can usually walk up. Nothing is ever really sold out. Sure. Yes. And you can usually just walk up to places and get, there was, I went to see, um, this isn't on this tour, but this is when I've figured this out. This is like in college. I used to always get like presale things and like panic about it. And presale is garbage. Right. Presale is like 30th row. Who cares? And I would always do that and be like, what the hell? And then there was, I went to see him at radio city music hall. Again, this is like in college. And it said sold out. And I was like, well, let's see. And I went up to the box office like an hour before the show was supposed to start. And I was like, what sh- can I just have your best ticket? And I got like second row. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, none of this is real. Because they all release yes. day of because of Completely. press not showing up, yep. guests not showing up. Boom. Or weird places where you have to be like a member to get tickets and those people don't show up. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I normally now just like. No, that's what, know, I, that's what I do. It. Except for I, I get presale for you too because I'm such a fan. Sure. That, sure. That, so I get floor every time. But yeah, Pat but Francis and I went to see, the, and Mike Siegel went to see the Rolling Stones day of. Yeah. I'm like, listen, they're going to release tickets. It's totally. Staples Center. So they go down, they release them. They're 250 bucks after the show starts. So I'm like, Is that on. good or bad? It's way bad. Because, uh, well, I don't know that only because for Rolling Stones, I swear to God, I feel like I just figured the normal ticket price is like $500. Right. Well, I'm like, hold on. No, this is before the show started. I'm like, hold on. Wait till the show starts. Right, right, right. You know, we'll miss fucking satisfaction or whatever. And then we'll get the other ones. Show starts. Tickets, 450 What? Yeah, so we ended up not going to see them. How did... How... That makes no it sense. It makes zero sense. But they're... Well, you know what I found out? And I found out through my Rolling Stones connection that uh, no matter what happens, the Rolling Stones get $5 million a show. Oh! <gasps> No matter what that's happens, their flat that's their fee. flat. It's either four or five. No matter what happens, oh. they get four or five million a show. You guys handle the rest. 
Oh my god. That would that would be pretty awesome gig, right? But it's uh, now I'm trying to figure out how Okay, so then that's the venue being like, "Oh my god, we haven't met their 5 million." We haven't million. met our 5 million. We got to 450. Crank. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No wonder those dudes are basically weekend at Bernie'sing it at this point. <laughs> like, no wonder they're never knocking a tour. <laughs> yeah, Prop us up on stage, dude, if we're getting five mil a show. Seriously. That's crazy. And they still play with... Uh, look, I'm not a, the hugest Rolling Stones fan, but, you know, they play with energy. Right, right. And so, and that's in... Plus, they're old, so people expect older people to have money. Right. So they, that's why, you know... That's true. Like, that's like a night out for, like, yeah. older people... Yeah. That's why the fleet fo foxes you can get for like 20 bucks. Exactly. Because you know? it's the different <laughs> demographic. No, that's true. Yeah. I'm going to go see Blur next in a couple of weeks at the Hollywood Bowl. And yeah, I still don't have tickets. Because really? when I went to see Morrissey, the Hollywood Bowl, same thing. I walked up as the show starting and was like, give me your best tickets and got like fourth row. So nice. I'm just going to do that for Blur too. I'm I've not really not, sweating I, it. I should probably give Blur another chance. I never got into Blur. You idiot. <laughs> They're the greatest. <laughs> They're like the modern day kinks. I really? I mean, every Blur album sounds different. Sure. A lot of if Kinks, al lot of kinks even, albums sound different. You should get into either Modern Life is Rubbish or Park Life. Those are the Kinks-ish. Mm -hmm. The first one is real shoegaze. The first Blur album is like straight up shoegaze. Yeah. The last couple are like, the la I don't know what to say to you. Blur is the best. <laughs> All right. Come on. I, can only, I can't like every band that's out there. No, that's true. I have to draw the line somewhere. That's true. There's a limited amount of time. Right. You I'm are old. a father. And I'm older than you, so I've right. only got a little bit more time. Right. I'll be off this more. I'll be dead I'm before so you will. so close to death. <laughs> Unless you keep playing those frat clubs, then uh, <laughs> you might be checking out before me. That's true. Yeah, I, there were a couple of times I felt unsafe. That night when I had to go back, I got like a Super 8 or something. Like a couple, for the most part, I stayed in like Motel 6s and Super 8s right. and shit to save money. Of course. Only a couple of times did I treat myself, and again, doing air quotes, because treating myself was only like, oh, I'll stay at a Hilton instead of a Super 8. Right. It's not like I was ever staying at like the Ritz. Right. But that night, yeah. And I didn't, you know, I'd never been to, I'd been to Madison, but, you know, I don't know the surrounding areas that well, so I would just go, okay, this looks like it's reasonably close to the venue. But, you know, the further out you get from a city, the cheaper it is. So sure. that place I stayed in a Super 8 that was like 20 minutes away from the venue, and it was really Oh, messy. that's got to be a little sketchy. The sketchiest was in I. I crashed in Idaho for the night. Like I, driving from, was it Denver? Driving from Denver because I saw Morrissey at Red Rocks. One of the greatest experiences I, of my that's life. One of my, uh, I was, don't know, goals in life is to see a, a concert at Red Rocks. It was, but it has to be the right band. It was unbelievable. Right. So driving from Denver to Seattle, I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. It was a long drive, and I broke it up by staying in Idaho for the night, and that was like Meth Town, USA, <laughs> yeah, wherever I, I stayed. There, a guy opened the door for me, and I said, thank you, because I'm a polite human being. Sure. And once I did that, he took that as an invitation. He took that as follow me and hang out with me and like started following me, and I ended up having to like run to my room so he wouldn't see what room I was in. Jesus. Yeah, it was a sketchy area. Couldn't you take it, a friend? I mean, Next for the time, first, bring an opener. The first week, I actually tried to get Andy to do it. Andy was going to do it. Andy, Andy would. Andy hates Morrissey. He hates Morrissey, <laughs> but I mean, he wanted to go like open for me. Doesn't and that would care be... for you either, by the way. Doesn't care for you. You know, I've heard different. <laughs> well, because that was part of the gimmick. We would. Be, I was like, how funny would it be if it was like exes on tour? Like my ex is opening for me. Right, right. Because that would make it even funnier. But like, I think at the time he had a girlfriend. So he was like, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And so he couldn't go. But I don't mind traveling alone. And for the first week, I was with my friend Joey because he's like a Morrissey friend of mine. Mm -hmm. But then he had to go back to work. And so for the whole month of July, I was alone. So how many dates was that? I did 10 shows. All right. How many dates did Morrissey do? I saw nine Morrissey shows. Oh, okay. So. And it, wait, isn't, doesn't Morrissey have cancer? He had like skin cancer or something. He, but he's a drama queen. And so mm. it sounded like he was like dying, All but right. he's not. He's that fine. poor guy. He's been through a lot. He's fine. His hairdresser was on fire. <laughs> his is book it, is terrible. I just finished his novel. His girlfriend's and it's in a coma. Terrible. <laughs> he failed to uh, unite Which, the shoplifters of the world. It's true. <laughs> I, heard book, I, I heard his book blew. I heard it. Novel did. I heard. Yeah, it's a novel, right? Well, his autobiography I thought was a masterpiece. Oh, okay. But this, I just finished his fiction novel, and it's so bad. I, so, some DJ who I don't really like on SiriusXM was shitting on it, so I didn't know whether to take that as Bible or not. But yeah, coming it's not, from you, it's it broke my heart. 
I mean, in the way that it's bad, it's like, obviously the guy's not a dummy, but right. the novel is supposed to, it's a fiction novel and it's supposed to take place in Boston, Massachusetts in 1975 and every single character talks like Morrissey. <laughs> I'm like, no, what people in Morrissey, Boston. What does Morrissey know about Boston 75? Yeah, I don't know Where why was he, he chose Manchester that. Manchester in 75? That's what I'm saying. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So everybody talks like him. Everybody talks about like <laughs> Margaret Thatcher and shit. And I'm like, no, these people wouldn't care about this. Yeah. It's, it's so, it breaks my heart. Oh, uh, that's like That reminds me of uh, the movie Juno. Right. Remember the movie Juno. Yeah. And what was the girl's name who played her? Uh, Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Yeah. Talked like a 34 year old woman wish she talked when she was 16. Right. You know, it was right. just, yeah, it was just so. It's just kind of, which it's tough because I wouldn't. I know my limits. Like, I wouldn't try to write a novel right now about people in Boston in 1975 because I grew up in Atlanta in the 80s and 90s. Like, why would I know that? Like, I don't know. I think that's like a limited skill set that few people possess. And while I think Morrissey is a genius, clearly, I'm like, maybe stick to what you know on this dude. I don't know. So you're not going to follow his book tour and do I am not going to follow it. I doubt he's even (laughs) going to have one now. I'm sure he's like, whoops. Who's got time to write a novel either? Jesus. Well, I feel like that guy just spends all of his time in hotel. He's not, it's not like he's Motley Crue. He's not partying after shows. I think he's going straight to his hotel room and a typewriter. I don't know, but he's no spring chicken. You know, not that he was ever Motley Crue or anything. Yeah, but I, I think that that was his. I think he was like in a transition. I could see him easily transitioning into a career as like an actual author. Really? I mean, I could have seen that before this novel came out. Mm-hmm. But maybe if he switches like genres, it'll be better for him. What do you think of people referring to him as our generation's Frank Sinatra? I think that could that I could see that I uh-huh. could see him being like having a Vegas residency. He he is a bit of a crooner now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could see him, you know, wearing a and tux I'm a fan. every night. Don't, I should go and I'm a fan. So sure. I, I mean, saying that he's Frank Sinatra is probably sacrilege to Frank Sinatra sure. fans. I don't think he's at that level. Like his voice is even at that level. But I think the older he gets, the more that's kind of his whole steez now. Right. Does like, he still go shirtless? Kind of crooner. I mean, once in a while. <laughs> once in a while, he might. Should retire that too. I don't think I've now. I think about. I don't think I've ever seen him live. I've only seen him like 119 times. So you've seen him for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to. You said I he's did, coming. I put in the homework. Is he coming around again? No, right now he's in Europe. He's on perpetual tour, isn't he? It he seems like he's is. around all the time. I think it might also be a Rolling Stones thing, where like that's how he gets all his money now. Yeah. It, what was his last album? A uh, world peace is none of your business is the name of his last album. I don't think I have that. How long ago was that? Uh, last year, year before, really, last year. Was it any good? It's got a couple of yeah. It's I mean yes. Okay. No. Yes. Right. It's got <laughs> half of it's good. Right. It's got interesting songs on it. Good. Interesting is probably the best word to describe it. I hate to say this, but I think my last album I bought with him was "You're the Quarry." Sure, that's most people's last album. They oh, bought. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when was that? In two thousand five. Two thousand. Four. Okay. 2004, because awesome I, I still lived in Atlanta and worked at Tower Records. Yes, I would recommend Years of Refusal. Okay. I think that you would like that. Mm-hmm. It's got some rocking hard rockers on there. Yeah, like and the Ringleader of the Tormentors has some good tracks, and it was produced by Tony Visconti. Oh, wait. I might have that. That one's good. I might have that. I just haven't given it much of a listen to. So how was the... Uh, did you, so you didn't get started doing stand-up in Atlanta. Or Hotlanta, I like to call it. Yeah, you and only you. No one who lives there has ever called it that. Uh, No, I did not. I moved here two days after graduating from college. Right. Uh, I should have started in Atlanta. I was an idiot not to. Was there there a scene in Atlanta? I know the the punchline. There definitely is now. Yeah. Sure, there definitely is now. When I go home and I do like Laughing Skull or whatever, and local people, like they're rad. There's definitely a scene. But I don't know. I just didn't because I feel like I hadn't decided yet that I want, I always secretly wanted to. It was like one of those things where it was like, since I was a child, Mm -hmm. but then it was, it's kind of like why I never, I had such a reverence for it that I was like, I'll never be as good as all these people I like. So why would I foul up the scene by (laughs) even trying? Like, and especially when I first moved here, because I did move here for comedy. Uh Uh-huh. But at first it was to see it all the time. I was basically like, I want to live in a place where I can see Bob Odenkirk do stand up. Right. And I did, like, when I first moved here, he did do drop-ins at UCB and stuff all the time, sure. and I lost my mind every time. <laughs> and then, so I ended up, yeah, I would go to the UCB, like, four times a week. Right. Minimum. And I would see, I remember, I would see Paula Tompkins all the time. 
And I all and he had a different set every single time I saw him. And I was like, this guy is an unstoppable genius. Mm-hmm. And it was that sort of, you know, it was like 50% inspiring right. and 50% why bother? Because <laughs> I will never touch this guy. Right. What's the point? You know right. what I mean? So it was, I was always on the fence in that way where I was like, I've got to do this, but I'll never be that good. So why try? And then it just got to the point where I was like, that's don't if anybody if everybody else had that attitude nobody would do anything so yeah finally started yeah. after I moved here I saw Paul uh, F Tompkins show Super Ego last yes. weekend I've never seen it or listened to it right and it's hilarious it's so hilarious. and not as only a great stand up he's a great improviser he's I mean genius is the only word I can think of to might describe be. that guy and I don't throw that word around and but, exactly it's but not I don't think it's hyperbole in any way yeah yeah no, yeah that was good stuff man so you must have uh, I think you told me you ate quite the dick on one of those shows. I and I'm using your terminology yeah, here. I'm not. It wasn't I'm not on putting that words tour. in your mouth. <laughs> it wasn't on that tour. It was like a month ago in Austin. Uh, Bless you. Bless you. Uh, Cap City? Velveeta? No, the Velveeta Room. Velveeta. I can't believe that place is still going. I just felt terrible because I did this festival called Out of Bounds Comedy Festival there that was really fun. And the we guy, need more comedy festivals. I don't think... <laughs> there's definitely a, sh- a shortage. I don't think there's enough comedy festivals going well, on. Well, this right one now. has been going for 14 years, apparently. And the guy... Uh, What's it called? The Out of Bounds Comedy Festival. And this guy named Dave Buckman had me, and he was so kind. And he uh-huh. just emailed me directly. And he was like, do you want to do this? And I was like, definitely. And he was really cool. And then I felt bad because the night that I got there, he was in the audience, and I ate a dick. <laughs> I mean, it was just like complete silence. Were you headlining? No, I mean, no, it was just, I mean, I went last, but not in a way that, you know, it was a night with like 10 comics on it or whatever. But the guy before me did fine. (laughs) So it wasn't like, oh, this crowd, like it was definitely me. Right. And they hated it. And then I just felt bad because he was in the audience. And it's one of those things where I always feel, I feel like he's the employer. I'm the employee. Yes, of course. And I didn't do my job that he hired me to do. Sure. And so, yeah, afterward, I was like, I'm sorry, dude. And of course, he's a cool, nice guy. So he's like, whatever. But, uh, you know, of course, there's no disguising the fact that I sucked. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it didn't feel good. I've really, I, you know, <laughs> I didn't feel like I earned my money. It didn't and then I bombed. And I did okay that there was, it was like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday night, I did the Velveeta Room, bombed. Mm-hmm. Saturday, did a different venue, did great. Sunday, did the Velveeta Room, again, and bombed. Right. Maybe it's the Velveeta Room. I mean, I have heard that it is a tough room, but I don't want to, I can't just blame it on that. But I did, like I called Chip, you know, he came up in Chip Hope, he came up in Austin. He was like, oh yeah, that's, he's like, I still bomb there. It's a super tough room. Right, right. But it's kind of like, so what? I should still do better. (laughs) I mean, I'm supposed to be a professional. Right, well, you know. I'm supposed to adjust to the environment. Adjust to the environment. But I did not and bomb both nights. See, if it was me... I would chalk it to the Velveeta room and then make this some sort of weird superstition right. that I have. Like, okay, none of my family can come see me at the Velveeta room. Oh, because- the, the, my best friend Millie came with me. She met me, and and I that was the worst part because I was like, oh, I'm sorry that you flew here to see me bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, because you know you want your friends to respect you, and I'm right. like, you just saw me be terrible at my job. Please believe I'm normally better than this. Dude, I, I've talked about this several times on the, the the time I, I I bombed headlining Chicago Improv, and my cousin drove up from where are they from? Oklahoma. Whoa! They drove from Oklahoma to Chicago. Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was sick. She was going through some stuff. She wanted to come up. She came up. First show, I did great. They came to the second show. Oh, we'll see at least. Oh, but did they? They see weren't both? in the first show. Oh, they didn't oh, come to the first oh, show. Oh, 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 that was the worst. That is the worst. That was the worst. And all I care. Let's say there were 250 people there. All I cared was about those two. Of course, right. That's always the case. Like you only want. That's why. Like when I started, I didn't tell anybody for like a year or two, mm-hmm. like at all. Well, I mean, besides the fact that I was doing open mic, like who cared? But I right. also just didn't. I'm like, I know I'm not good at this. Why would I tell you? Yeah. And why would I want you to come see me? That makes sense. So, uh, yeah, I didn't tell anybody. But, yeah, that's the thing is you only care about well, – I shouldn't say I don't care about the audience, but it's like, yeah, if I know somebody I know is there, then, yeah, I'm hyper aware of it because I'm like, oh, this person I know and respect, I want that respect returned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Or this person I went to high school with who said I would never make anything out of my life. Oh, yeah. Well, totally. But, like, in that case, I don't know. If it's somebody I don't like or care about, I get – I almost get, like – I. I, I, I get an attitude of, 
like I kind of go off and get like sassy and be like, I don't give a fuck. She's and, turning like, into a black woman right now. <laughs> I don't know if you, can, you can't. The head's going back and forth. Yeah. The finger's coming up. Thankfully, though, when I opened, I opened for Chris at the Variety Playhouse in Atlanta, which was a huge deal right. because I had seen so many shows there growing up. And so it was a huge deal. And thankfully, I did great. Yeah. Because it, I did have people that I went to high school with and like an ex-boyfriend was there and all this kind of stuff. So, Yeah. That's thankfully, cool. Plus, thankfully, I, think, I crushed that. I think you're in a winning situation there. Oh, of course. You know, I'm not saying that you're not going to win on your own. No, but, no, no. But I absolutely, he's handing me these audiences on a yeah. silver platter. Like, there's, yeah, of course. It's like the perfect environment. Like, if I didn't crush, I definitely should quit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, how long, and we're talking about Chris Hardwick, how long have you been on the road with Chris? Since December of last year. It, I, w- it will be a full, he's taping his special at the end of January. So, it will be like, a full year of touring. I wanted to have you and Chris on, but um, he's ha- he's got nineteen jobs. I know, so. I know, I know, and I've known Chris for the longest time, and yeah. he's done the show four times or whatever. And I'm just like, I know the process, so I'm like, I'll just have April on. <laughs> right, right. He's the best. He's no, the best. he's awesome. He's uh, is a good friend, and I I love the fact that um he said on the show because I've had a love hate relationship with the alternative scene in in Los Angeles because mm-hmm. I had both feet in it for a while and mainstream and and I. Uh, he said the first time he went on a tour is he learned all the mistakes he made being an alternative comic in Los right. Angeles. It is how it doesn't fly outside of the city. Right. Right. I mean, well, I don't know. I feel like I'm not, I don't know. I haven't done that many like traditional clubs, mm-hmm. I guess. I, um, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I don't know if I identify as alternative. I don't know if that I'm exists anymore. I'm quoting your boss. You have to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> he totally is my boss. Like if it weren't for him, I don't know how I would have paid my rent this year. Um, that's great. I don't. I don't know if that still exists. Does that still exist now? Do you think? No, I don't know. I don't think so. No, I because think. now I feel like with the internet and everything, comedy is just comedy. In a yeah. Way. No, I don't. I don't agree. I actually, I, I love. I love the. I, kind of what I meant. This is pretty much everything in my life. I love everything about what I do. If it was 20 years ago, what do you mean? Like, I love music, but from like 20 oh, years sure, ago, sure, sure. I yeah, love yeah. stand up, but from like the 70s and 80s, I right. like a smoky, low ceiling right. club, you know, and that doesn't exist anymore. But I also like I like rock venues. I love doing rock venues. Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I have conflicting feelings about it mm-hmm. because I do it. And I, I definitely have a love hate relationship with the Internet. Because in a way, I mean, there's like this, you know, inner fucking socialist part of me that's like, I love that it's even the playing field. I love that it gives everybody an avenue to be creative. I love that it's a modern day version of like making a zine or whatever, where it's like there's no hierarchy. A person in their bedroom could do the same thing as a person on a stage in front of thousands of people. But... The flip side of that is, is it too easy? Well, and and defi- and how many people now define themselves? Like that somebody who puts up a YouTube video with a lot of jump cuts is like, I'm a comedian. When it's like, mm, are you? Like, you know what I mean? Or do you just have a good editor and lighter? Right. Yeah. And because it's... Lighter? Lighting person. Sorry. Well, for me, it, it's all jump cuts. That is mm-hmm. the weirdest thing to me. And... Some, but then I feel guilty because I really haven't paid a lot of dues. Like I know that, especially in comedy, it's like you know you you judge a lot of people are judged by like how much shit you've eaten to get where you are and how right. many dues you've paid. And to be real with you, I've had a lot of good luck. I have not paid that many dues sure. in the grand scheme of things. But I think with people like YouTube stars or whatever, that's times a million because it's like you don't you don't ever you don't know the experience of bombing because what would the definition of that be that a lot of people didn't. Like that one YouTube video gets only 500,000 views instead right. of a million. Like what? That's not, there's no direct feedback or there's no like learning Immediate. curve because yeah. you didn't eat shit in front of people and then have to go, oh, well, I got to revise that or I've got to make it better because you're just editing it. And you're done. Yeah. And you don't get to grow it. Which, and that is a thing. I mean, I guess that is a specific talent, but I don't think they should be called comedians, I guess. But no. then maybe that's just like me being a baby. I don't know. No, I think that, I think also that the term comedian is blurred also. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're calling uh, some comedic actor on a sitcom a comedian. Right. Which like, is like, no, you're an actor. Yeah. You might be a funny actor, but that's not, yeah, you're not a comedian. Yeah. So the lines are blurred across yeah. the board. What, um, do you have any superstitions? <laughs> like before I go on stage and stuff? No, just in general. Sacrifice chickens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not chickens, goats. I'm oh, not I'm a sorry. weirdo. I forgot. Atlanta. Um, I 
this is true. I very often watch Elvis's 68 comeback special. And I will often before big shows like watch parts of it on YouTube because I think that is the peak, the apex of performance. I think no one has been better at what they do. And so I really have watched that before like big shows to channel that like badassery. But I don't have no, there's no I don't have any specific. That sounds like like a superstition to me. I don't do it every single time. But it's a thing where I'm like, if I'm not feeling like a badass, I'll watch that and go, I got this. Like, I'll be like, channel this. Put on your black leather suit. Right. Totally, like, just harness this energy. But no, I don't have any, like, hard and fast mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Elvis. I'm from Memphis. Totally. Uh, I saw, yeah, yeah. I saw Elvis when I was a little boy. That's so crazy. I didn't see him in concert. He was outside the... Uh, Graceland Gates? Graceland with probably what would be the Memphis Mafia. And I was right. so young, I don't actually remember seeing him. You, I just, just rem- your parents I just remember you. my aunt losing her of course, mind. Of course. So, so I didn't put two and two together. Right. As a matter of fact, when he died, I was so young, I thought they were talking about Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> That you thought he was the king? Oh, you thought it was like I thought, King Bing. When they, when, yeah, maybe that was it. Like right. I didn't know enough to, you know, we we're on we we're on vacation in the woods up in Wisconsin somewhere, right? And oh no, Elvis, and all of a sudden the adults were crying. Yeah, and you were like, no, what's no, no, going like, on? Who? Oh, I guess I saw my dad watching Bing Crosby. I guess he died. Right, right. So I didn't really put two. No, my either. mom, my mom and my nana saw Elvis a bunch, and they like to rub it in my face. Yeah, your nana. My nana, I'm from Georgia. That's what I call my grandma. That's what, what, what's your grandfather called? Granddaddy. Oh, okay. Nana and granddaddy. Because my dad's got a, my dad, my kid's got a nana and a papa. Yeah, the funny thing is, is I, my, apparently that came about because my nana thought grandma sounded old. Right. She's like, that sounds too damn old. Call me nana. But most people I know call their great grandparents nana. Like that that's even older than grandma. Right. But apparently that's how it came about in my family. My grandmother from the South, from Tennessee, we just called Dot. That was her name. Oh, okay. And then we called my other grandmother, grandmother. Full on grandmother. Grandmother. That's like what a British kid would say or something. That's so That'd proper. Be grandmum. Yeah. It? Grandmother. <laughs> Grandmummy. That's so long. We, I don't know if we said grandmother. I've actually, right. I'm one of those per, one of those persons. I'm one of those people who never uses names anyway. Oh, oh, like any. Just like when I see you. What do you call you? your wife? Just like wife? What do I call her? I don't want to tell you what I call my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got a little blush. Censored. <laughs> but I'm like, what are those? Hey, what's going on? You oh, know, right. I know. Like, I probably, I probably never said April to you more than two times. Right, right, right. Well, considering my Yeah, but I mean, like, you. what do you, if you have to get your grandmother's attention, what if she, you go, hey, what's up? And she doesn't know you're talking uh, about. I hold a seance because she's. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, actually. What do you call her on the Ouija board? <laughs> actually, Dot is around, but I just don't talk. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Right. Plus, I don't. I don't You're not really into know. names. You're not into labeling people. Uh, I dude, get it. I don't. Yeah, man. I don't. Have, I don't have to have the world just tell me who and That's what right. to call people. Live by your own rules. Right on, Denise. <laughs> you can call me Denise also if you want. <laughs> so, how is the tour with Hardwick? The best time of my entire life. Private jets. They have happened a couple times. Yeah, those are sweet, aren't they? It's truly. This has been the best year of my entire life. Really? I mean, it really has. Because it's the first year of my life that I haven't had to have a day job. I mean, I've had a job since I was like 15. I don't have to have a day job. I get paid to travel with one of my dearest friends in the whole world. You know, he's handing me 2,000 seats. Truly. We're very close. We hang out all the time even when we're not on tour. Dearest. I said one of. Oh, okay. I don't know why I'm giving you shit on that. (laughs) He's lovely. And that's part of the... When we do... Like, we just did Texas. There have been a handful of dates where... It's so the city is close enough that we will just be like, fuck flying. Let's just drive. Right. And like it will make a road trip out of it and stop at like crazy antique stores or sure. stop at like funny places. And it's um yeah. So it's basically it just feels like getting paid to go on a road trip every weekend with my friend. That's like it's sweet. nuts. Yeah. And I know how well I have it because I've talked to other friends that have. I know that this is not the norm now. Right. Like, I guess I assumed that people that go on tour with other people, like you choose, I would assume you choose an opener because it's somebody that you want to hang out with. Totally. But I've talked to friends where I've been like, yeah, you guys totally hang out. Right. And they're like, no, they're like, I was talking to this one friend and they go, you know, they're like, oh no, we don't even get on the same flights. Like we just meet at the venue five minutes before the show starts. I was like, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Cause like, we in cities like we'll go to museums together and like explore the city and actually do cool stuff. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I sit in my hotel room all night. So I feel very, very lucky. No, totally. And 
and I am savoring it as much as possible because, like I said, I know now that this is not the norm, <laughs> so I should enjoy it while it's happening. Yeah, no, yeah. I have I have friends. We're probably talking about the same friend who they, they used to be really good friends, and then they toured forever together, right. and now it's just like... It's like George it's like Harrison walking thing. through Abbey Road through the right. back door while right, Paul right, walks right. through the front door. They just meet at the venue. Well, did they tour like a lot together? Oh, okay. I'll tell you who it is off the show. You know Okay, so, yeah. We're not talking about the same person. I'm talking about a person I used to work with at Chelsea. Like, they don't hate each other. They're just like, we don't hang all the time. And I'm like, oh, I just thought that was the norm. And it's not. Who's and that? So, now I want to know because I know all those people. I'll tell you later. All right. But, um, but they, yeah, they definitely don't hate each other or anything like that. Oh, okay. But um, they're just not like hanging. And like, yeah, we take all the same flights. We right. go everywhere together. And I don't really hang either with the opener or if I'm opening for somebody either. Well, also, Chris and I, I mean, besides being for, like, we don't drink. Right. Oh, that's We're right. not, we're compatible in the ways that, you know, I'm, I assume that, you know, some dudes, especially, like, after shows are like, let's fucking go to strip clubs yeah, and all this. And it's like, we, obviously, we're not going to be doing any of that shit. Of course. So, um, yeah, it's been the best. I used to hang with Chris best. with drunk Chris. I, and the funny thing is, is, like, obviously, I never even knew drunk Chris. Right, right. And so he'll tell me stories. And, and I like, say drunk, I, I say drunk Chris. He would say drunk. Chris. I'm not telling stories. He actually calls it. He calls that guy Peter Hardwick. Yeah. That's him in the past. <laughs> right. And he, yeah, he'll tell me stories. And I'm like, I can't even fathom this. Yeah. I can't even imagine you being that dude. Yeah. Because now he's just like the most responsible, you know, on top of shit, dude. So on top of shit. Like man. I've never. That's the other thing, too, is being with him. I, I'm learn. I've never hung out with anybody who worked harder. Right. And I am taking away so many lessons from it yeah. of just like staying on top of your shit, working super hard. And also like he, cause he, this tour is him working towards a special and just observing him night after night. Like, I mean, this dude does not fuck around. I mean, there are days where I'll be like, let's go do this crazy thing. And he's like, no, nah, I got to sit down and like write this out and I got to right. adjust this and I got to work on my thing. And like, he like forces me to work harder. That's smart. That's sure. great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I uh, <clears throat> I've probably told the show uh, story a thousand times on the show, but I have to tell it real quick because April's oh. here. Okay. Drunk Chris. Yes. Drunk Murray. Uh, his buddy used to own a bar in Westwood. Yes. Right up the street. I've heard here. many stories of Westwood shenanigans. And there used to be a, a show in Westwood, which is where I met Chris and, mm -hmm. and a lot oh, of the, the other guys. No, Are you no, about the uh, or the Gypsy. One? Oh, okay. I don't know if you've heard this place called the Gypsy, which is probably not there anymore. Uh. But he he owned the bar across the street. His friend owned the bar across the street, so we used to get drunk at the Gypsy Do show and then just go drink for free till three o'clock in the morning or whatever. Sure. And Hardwick he lived around the corner, so it was fine. But I had to drive home, so it was not smart several times. Uh, for some reason, the uh, waitress loses my gives my credit card to the wrong person. Okay, and so and it's like one fifty nine, and the bar closes at two, and she's like, "Call your credit card company. I'm sorry, it's my fault. Call your credit card company." I don't know. So I'm on the phone with the credit card. They're like, "Last." Lights come on. One of the employees who's not working there that night, he's hammered. He goes, hey, it's time to go home. Click and hangs up the phone <gasps> on me just as I finally got through to the woman to close my card. Right. And then I I lost <gasps> it, man. I Did you fight him? Uh, we got right in each other's fate. He came at me, uh -huh. with, cocked back. And I, I, haven't, I haven't thrown a fist since my brother, you know? Right, right. 21 or whatever. So I cocked back just <gasps> as, and then two guys step in front of me and then all these guys get his back because he works there so i turn around to see who's got my back drunk chris hardwick nice drunk zach galifianakis nice <laughs> drunk blaine Capach. the least fighting <laughs> i might crew have the ever. marching band to get my back totally <laughs> and then a drunk riley newton sure and then i was just like i'm i'm fucked if i even do anything here and then we all got disbanded and got kicked out damn i was hoping that that was gonna lead to crazy Everybody. Just full-on brawl, yes. like yes, roadhouse yes, yes. style. A cloud with like fists coming out of it like a cartoon. <laughs> Bam and yeah. boof and little stars. And the idea of them... I like the idea of the people that were going to fight you guys seeing your crew and going, okay, we're going to let you go on that. We don't... <laughs> we will go to jail for murder. Right. This is probably so a we'll hate crime you guys in some go. situation. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> That's amazing. What do you find like the hardest thing... I know... This is such a cliche question, but it, it comes up a lot on the show when I have ladies on the show. Sure. What do you find the hardest thing about being a female stand-up? I mean, traveling alone is not chill I as mean, a lady. Yeah. And it's my whole life. I go ever. I mean, I went to fucking South Africa alone. Yeah, I go very, everywhere you're very alone. Much a loner, right? Yes. And it, normally I'm fine. And normally, honestly, I'm like oblivious. Like there have only been times after the fact that somebody 
I'll be telling a story or I'll say what I did or where I went and people would be like, how are you not murdered right now? <laughs> Cause I just am so oblivious and I, which usually, which can serve you well yeah. in the way that that whole thing of like, just act like you own the place and nobody will fuck with you. Like that works most oh, really? of the time, but there were definitely times on this tour that I felt unsafe for yeah. sure, because it's just such a weird guys. You guys will just never know. You just take for granted the fact that you could just do whatever you want and know and never feel unsafe. I mean, I guess there are probably times you would feel unsafe if you're in a bad neighborhood. Sure. But for the most part, it's like even things like stopping to get gas alone mm. in a place that's unfamiliar and maybe it's dark and like getting leers from dude, like that kind of shit. It's like, oh, can I please just let me get gas right. without you looking at me like that? And especially, and there's never, anytime a guy is like, if you describe a guy hitting on you or you describe getting catcalled and a guy goes, just take it as a compliment. Fuck off forever. Right. It's not a compliment. <laughs> and it's never, you know, these times I'd be driving for like eight hours in sweats, mm. like literally could not look grosser and it's, you still get it. And that's like, so that's not a compliment. That's just a dude showing you he's got power over you, right. making you feel uncomfortable so there, you know, there's that in the time, like I said, that I said thank you to a guy and he like followed me down right. the hall when it's like, no, I'm just being polite. That's not an invitation. Like, it's just things like that where, you know, there were definitely nights in a hotel room where I would want to go somewhere. I would want to go get some food or go and I would be like, oh, I probably shouldn't go walk outside right now. Yeah, I'm in an unfamiliar place. It's late at night. So if something happens, I don't know where to go or which direction to yell in. So, you know, I would just be like stuck in my room. Yeah. And I'm not a shy person. No. So I can't, and I'm fairly confident. So if I'm feeling that way, a person who isn't that, a lady who is not that confident or is more shy, that's got to be a huge bummer for her. Right. I do, this is nothing to do with the topic, but it has something to do with this topic. It has nothing to do with the topic of my show. But I do this when I, especially at night, if I'm behind, I find myself coming down an escalator or mm. behind a girl and it's dark and it's alone. I just say, hey, I'm behind you and I'm going right by you. Right. I'm not. Because right, I don't right. want her to turn around and see me fucking being like, yeah, and that's. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, that's great because like, and yeah, it is a. It's such a disappointment to have to. You know, my mom points this out. My mom worries. Um, she's my mom. Sure, of course. Every mom worries, but she especially worries about me because I am so oblivious and because she has seen my behavior where I am just walking around like I own the place and just like, whatever, I'm fine. And she's like, you're not like, you do need to be aware. It's uh, she's like, I don't want you to be scared. I don't think right. you should cower in the corner everywhere. But like, she's like, you can't be so confident that you're like, nothing will ever happen to me. <laughs> she's like, shit will happen. So she worries about me in the way that I don't worry enough. And that, that happened a few times. Yeah. Like I got tripped up in my own confidence of like, I'm fine. Especially yeah, there were a few times just walking around alone at night where I was like strutting like whatever and then would it you would think click. that strut would keep people away yeah, from you. The like, way you, you know, just... the beginning of Saturday Night Fever or whatever, BG's playing in my head, strutting down the street and then would see like a creepy dude and be like, oh, no, 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 I need to be aware of my surroundings right. and that I'm a lady alone at night and not just act like nothing's ever going to happen to me. So, yeah, I mean, dudes should just not take for granted the fact that you can just do whatever you want and not be afraid right. ever. Um, but, I mean, that's not necessarily specific to a lady comedian. I mean, that's just to, like, women traveling sure, alone no, in no. general. That's fine. Uh, do, do you get a lot of... What, what about, like... Lady comedians, I'll say this, specific to maybe just me, but I've talked about this with Jen Kirkman and stuff. My number one most annoying thing as a lady comedian... Mm -hmm is that I feel like I can never talk about dating or getting laid or anything that a dude can also talk about all day long without it being seen as an invitation. And I joke about, this is not, I literally in the year 2015 have been on two dates. Right. I've been on two of them. And so if I ever joke about like how few dates I go on or how I never get laid or anything like that, which are totally true, it's always seen as like a cry for pity or it's seen as an invitation. Like I'm going up there, please fuck me somebody. No, I am not saying that. I am telling you jokes based on my experience. And dudes come up at you afterwards? Yeah, totally like gross dudes or especially like on Twitter and stuff. Right. And it's just the kind of thing where if a guy jokes... If a guy's like, I never get laid, uh, never go on dates, then it's just seen as like, oh, yeah, that's funny. What a funny premise. I will laugh at this. But like if a girl says it, it's always like, uh, that's you just want pity. There's no way that's true because the, the perception of like all girls can just get laid whenever they want. Right. And, and so that's annoying to me where I'm like, 
Can you have, I'm telling you true stories <laughs> and jokes I've written based on these true stories. They're just jokes. I am not asking for your pity. I'm not asking you to ask me out after this show. I'm telling you jokes. Right. Take them at face value, please. That be, annoys the shit out of me. But it's obviously all girls want to get laid all the time, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, it's the percent. Well, <laughs> and I get the thing I mean, that it's, it's a like, stupid perception. It's a stupid. But it's that thing of like, well, guys will fuck any. Like, you could just get laid if you just wanted to. And I'm like, I, I probably could. Right. But guess what? I have stand. You get to have standards. Right, I right. also have yeah. standards. Like, so don't read that into it. I hate that immediate. Like, we'll just go get laid. Yeah, I'm sure I could fuck any number of gross dudes I don't really want right, to fuck, right. but I don't want to do that, and you don't want to do that. So why is that on me? I, that I just find that so annoying. That's yeah. my number one thing is how many after shows guys will be like, yeah, right. And I'm like, all that's true. Right. And again, I don't want your pity. You wouldn't pity a dude who said those exact same jokes. Right. Like You would just laugh at them. Now I'm going to uh, water that down a little bit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> But don't, do you ever find as a comedian, as a comedian, not as a female comedian, but as just a comedian, that uh -huh. people don't believe what you talk about anyway? I mean, sure. I mean, I, I've had so many times, like, you really have a kid? Oh, right, you right, know? right. And I was like, well, yeah, no, I'm going to make up an hour's worth of material over some <laughs> fictional three-year-old yeah. I have. I mean, I guess that it, and it, it's like, I guess, obviously, we do have the license to make, I mean, I've everything I say isn't 1000% true. Right. Like I'm going to exaggerate for a joke, but I mean, for the most part, I'm not a good joke writer. So it's all based in truth just because like, I can't write about shit that hasn't happened to me. Yeah. I'm not good at it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, people do say that, but then I'm like, no, that is definitely true. I wouldn't even be able to joke about it if I didn't experience it. Right. I wish I was a better joke writer that could just be like, Hey, write a joke about this chair. Oh, but I can't do that. 100% so, man. You I mean, know, I was talking to, I was working with a guy this weekend and I'm like, I can't, I'm kind of jealous because I can't write jokes about attic fans. Yeah. You know, and maybe I get a little too personal sometimes right, where right. people are like, Ooh, take, hey, how about a joke about an attic fan? Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> totally. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, sure. I understand people being like, oh, is that really true? But that's a whole different thing. Like just being like, is that true? Is totally different than like, yeah, right. You totally can just go on right. a date. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I told no, you I was going to water it down yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to belittle it. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I, I, people expect all comedians to be lying, I'm sure. Right. Well, I, I've often said on this, I, I've been doing the show for a long time. I wonder how many times, well, let's say that fight with Chris Hardwick. Right. I told that, I don't know, probably the first time six years ago on this show. I probably told it a hundred times since. Right. I wonder how that's morphed. Like I want to go back right. to I want to go back to the original time I stole it and it was just like me and Chris and like Zach wasn't even there. Right, right, like, right. It wasn't even a bar. You just keep adding the cast yeah, of just characters. Adding the cast of characters. Yeah, totally. We weren't even drunk. It was the afternoon. It was at right. McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I tend to be. This is going to sound really earnest, but I when I first started doing comedy, Chip Hope is legit one of my best friends in the whole world. Right. Chip I'm, Hope, writer, comedian. He's the best. And I he's like one of the first people I met when I moved here. And so we would, I mean, we hung out every single day. And he used to get on my case because I would not, when I first started, I was even wordier than I am now, if you can right. believe it. And so when I would get doing setups to jokes, or whatever, like I would make sure to say every detail because I was like so obsessed with telling the truth and like so obsessed with being like, I swear to God, this happened, you guys. <laughs> and he would yell at me because he would be like, the audience doesn't give a shit. You don't need to tell every detail because I would be like, if I was telling a funny story in the punchline, but it didn't happen to me, like I would be like, no, my friend did this. Thing. And like right. I would tell every detail of it just to be like, to make sure everybody knew I wasn't lying. And he was like, you can lie. You don't, <laughs> you don't need to know that your friend's friend's friend, this happened right, to him. Just right. fucking say it happened to you and get to the funny part. Um, and I had to start doing that because, and I, so I edit myself a bit, but 98% of what I say is totally true. Sure. That's, and I, you will rarely, rarely hear me defend Twitter, but one thing I liked about Twitter is if you write a joke on Twitter, you... It's the word economy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, you yeah gotta, sure. Oh, I guess I don't need... The blue vest is not an important sure, part totally. of this joke, but, you know? Totally. And when I started, I was. I was like... Because a lot of my shit comes from, like, conversations with Millie. My best friend in Atlanta is the funniest person I've ever met in my life. And, uh -huh. like, we... And we've been best friends for, like, 21 years now. And so much of... Millie, that's such an old school name. She... It's... She's the best. And she, well, it's a nickname. It's not her real name. It's not oh. like on her birth certificate. I love old school names. Yeah. So she, uh, 
So a lot of our shit, like we talk like every single day and so many jokes come from those conversations. And so I used to be like, I was having a conversation with my best friend. She's my best friend. And like, she was like, yeah, don't fucking say any of that. Like, just be like, here's the funny thing that we said. Like, so I had to learn that and I'm still learning it. Hilarious. Yeah. I still definitely have too much ramp up for some stories. And Chris has gotten on my case about that too, but. I don't know why. I don't know why I have this obsession because I think my style that also sounds like so my style of comedy, like who the fuck am I? But like, I like the approach of talking to people like I'm talking to my friends. Right. I like watching that the most. And so when I started, I was like, I want to be that person. that's like, what's up guys? I'm just talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes I get too comfortable with it. I get too much. Like I'm just talking to my friends when it's like, no, no, no they're paying customers. <laughs> like get to the meat yeah. of the issue. Yeah. No, I prefer a more conversational thing than it because i hate going up and just going right into a joke right i like to just ease myself into it you know yeah. and just chill and have a good time yeah uh before we get out of here i have to talk about that time you choked on stage sure <laughs> it's literal the, the, no, yeah, not the times you've choked on stage. i literally choked on water choked on stage uh it was the most mortifying moment of my entire life really yeah yes i was this only happened like a month ago it was like oh, a month this ago fresh wounds a month or two ago it was in San Jose with Mr. Chris Hardwick in a sold out like 2000 seat theater. And I was in the middle of a story and I took a sip of water and literally choked on it. And it was that kind of choke where I was like silent and I was like trying to cough it out. And then I had to play it off. Like I had to mm. be like, I am choking. Like every, a couple of people afterwards were like, oh, we thought that was part of the bit. I was like, no, I was fucking choking. <laughs> and yeah, I was so I'm like weirdly silent and then like coughing. And then I had to be like, you guys, I'm choking. And I had to say it because then I had to stand there for a minute and like really oh, like, sure. get it out of my throat. It was the worst <laughs> moment of my life. And then so I did that and then I tried to continue with the story. And then it was one of those things where it was like it came back. Like I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm still choking, guys. It was fucking terrible. Oh, man. That's and now a- I'm like, I can never drink water on stage again because <laughs> I can't risk that. Of course. Yeah. I, cho- I choked that same way, but just like a dry choke i guess for lack of better words all uh-huh. of a sudden i started coughing and it was one of those situations where two people were in the audience mm-hmm. who came to see me right and i was like oh man and so the whole time as i'm choking i'm like i can't believe i'm choking in front of these people who've never seen me before yes. and i had to flag down a waitress right get a bottle of water oh damn you know like one of the like, i couldn't get a waitress so because in this uh, one of the tables had to give me a bottle of water and just the recoup after that how oh, was that Did totally, you get back? completely like it was the thing where it was like kind of going up my nose and stuff. So I had to like sit and breathe. I mean, the only way I, the only saving grace was it extra sucked because I was in the middle of telling a story. I mean, obviously it had jokes in it, but it was a story about a guy who had cheated on me. Like I found out this guy had cheated on me with like three other women. Right. <laughs> and so I was like telling this whole story and the choking started. Like it sounded like I was cro- like I was choked up and right. I was like sad. Oh, and so I had to go. You guys are not fucking sad. Please believe. <laughs> And and that was the only way that saved it. I was like, oh my God, the timing of this is so terrible. You guys think I'm crying over this guy. I swear to God, I'm not. And then I started choking again. And then I flipped double birds. Like I was like flipping double birds the audience because I was like, please, no, I hate this guy. I'm not crying. I hate this guy. And like, that's like the only thing that saved it because the timing of it was so weird. Oh, wow. I mean, it really sounded like I had to take an E and be like, I'm still sad about this when I had to go, no, no, no. I'm literally just choking. I'm not crying. Yeah. So what are you doing? 20 up front? In front of Chris? Like 30. 30? Yeah, yeah, What's he doing? He, Hour? Yeah, or more. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hour minimum. I mean, a lot of nights he'll do more than that. Oh, man. Yeah. I can't even listen to myself for more than 45. <laughs> Seriously. No, dude, his audiences are the nicest people in the universe. I mean, he could do five hours if right. he wanted and nobody would get tired of it. Right. No, yeah. man, I, I, I cap at 50 on a headlining set. Oh, really? Maybe, maybe an hour if I'm having a good time. But I get, I get, I can't <laughs> listen to... Chris Rock for more than 45. Right, you know what right. I mean? I can't listen to... I get bored. Yeah, well, he... I mean, he's working on this special, so there's, like, adjustments and stuff. Sure. So he'll throw in different stuff or, you know, take out different stuff. And then there are some nights he'll do, like, Q&As. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And and because, I mean, his he's got, like, the nicest fans in the world. Sure. I mean, totally. they are psyched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris is a great guy and deserves everything. Totally. And you're a great person and you deserve everything you got also. Aw, shucks. Well, thank you. I mean, like, I'm, again, I got handed this. This is a gift. <laughs> it's not like I earned all these amazing audiences, but, uh, I, you know, I'm enjoying it. Right. Yeah. Well, April, thank you so much for coming on of to course. do the show. I'm sorry. Thank you for this we're, I'm sorry we're in a heat wave that lasted two months. Oh, I, I, dude, it's supposed to be like in the hundreds this week. I know. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can we catch you? 
I, Where are your tour dates with for yourself and Chris? Chris's tour dates are all on funcomfortabletour.com. Okay. I think the next place we're going is Boise, Idaho. Oh, yeah. Funnily enough. Boise and then Phoenix. And then, I mean, they're all on funcomfortabletour.com. Okay. That's Whatever all happened to old Boise potato chips? Did you ever eat those? Dude, yes. Those things were rad. And weren't they like the skins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I, I totally remember those. And they're the best potato chips ever. I told maybe they are. I'll see if they're in actual Boise. Well, you know where I live. You can mail me. Uh, I definitely <laughs> mail you a pack of chips. A package of old yeah. Boise chips. April, thanks for uh, uh, coming on today. I'm Thank at Murray V on Twitter. You guys, uh, thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You want to know about life on the road? It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns And fees, fights, cancel flights, running with the runs And blacklists, bounce checks, great at bachelorette <laughs> Drunks in the front, making out for your set And middle acts doing blow, more missing merch And drive the rental car past another mega church And juice keys, vagina fists, your cell phone is gone One big law and order marathon